Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. David faces trouble with people and circumstances around him. Find out more today on Warrior King. Thank you for joining us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. I love doing David, but sometimes he confuses me a little bit. Take his family, for example. It gets interesting, doesn't it? It's a little messy. It's yeah. just a little messy. Not your family, David, but... Well, it makes our relationship and our family unit seem almost perfect compared to what he's been through. Yeah, it's a different world back then with, with polygamy. It was never the preferred scenario. In the Bible, it's one man and one woman. But we do see those multiple partnerships in antiquity. I don't think any good comes out of it, to tell you the truth. Well, you're going to talk about and show about uh, Abigail and Bathsheba, two of his many wives, and he had many, many children, too. Yes, too many, in my opinion. <laughs> Never too many. No, too, <laughs> too many, too many. It's not good. Talk about problems with blended families. Oh, goodness. This is problems on steroids, and it really gets out of hand. We take you now to our dramatic reenactment in Israel, followed by teaching from Dr. Seif. Let's go there now. My husband had been a fool in not extending his friendship to David. And now it had come to this, a mission to save my husband's life. My master, let me take the blame. Please do not think about Nepal. The Lord God will always protect you, and he will appoint you as ruler over Israel. When that happens, you will not feel grief over anything, for you have not shed the blood of innocent people. When the Lord gives you success, please remember me. I was humbled by David's response. The Lord bless you, he said, for your wise advice and what you did. You stopped me from shedding blood today. Go in peace. I will do as you've requested. Great though David indeed was, he was still a man who was subject to human frailty. And so it was, he was indeed imperfect. His acting in a less than perfect manner is underscored in the book Shmuel, Samuel. It's a book that's named after him. He didn't write it all. The reason why is because in the 25th chapter where we are today, he dies. And this man's death precipitates a crisis for David because it was Shmuel who launched his career. We're told in 25.1, Vayamot Shmuel, and Samuel died. 
Vayiktsu Kol Yisrael, and all Israel gathered themselves to him. Vayispadulo, and they lamented him. We're told as well that shortly thereafter, Vayakom David Vayaret Almidbar Paron. After that, David leaves and he goes to the wilderness of Paran. And when he goes there, David is still reeling somewhat uh, from news of the death of his mentor. And as if that wasn't bad enough for the man, as with this wagon, he was very low on provisions, in many respects empty, in fact. So David did, and the story is unpacked in the 25th chapter, David followed the conventions of the day, and he uh, went back to someone that should have been a patron to him. David and his men weren't out uh, acting as brigands, stealing off the land, but rather they were policing. As his men were out and about, granted on the run from Saul, they still were protecting various estates in the wilderness and in the countryside. And decorum had it that uh, those that protected should be able to go back and get some basic provisions. Similarly, uh, I have a career as a police officer and I worked as a cop usually late at night. Wasn't at all uncommon, I'd pull into a gas station and they'd give me some coffee. They're glad that I pulled in there. You know, these uh, stop and go gas stations get robbed all the time and police presence is good. So they're happy to feed me a little bit and, and give me some beverage just for me coming in there. Similarly, David's men were acting in effect as police officers. And what happened is, is that when David was running low on provisions, he went to one fella named Nabal, Nabal, which means fool, and if anyone ever lived up to his name, he did. And he asked him if he could help him out a little bit. It's the equivalent of a tip. Is he required to tip? No. Are you required to tip the waitress or the waiter? No, but you do. But what happens is Nabal didn't. And I would imagine it was because David was feeling a little rudderless. You know, he just lost his mentor. And he's like a kite up there in the sky and he doesn't have the stability. When word gets to him that his men and he were disrespected by Nabal, uh, David was fit to be tied, literally, went in a rage, and he said, every man gird up your sword on your thigh, and David went to kill him. Think of that for a minute. Uh, this fellow in a flash of rage, of disconsternation, is ready to go shed innocent blood. Now, it may well be that a guy like Nabal isn't fit to live. And you might have some people in your webs of relationships that are uh, like Nabal. You feel so mistreated by them, so misunderstood, so disrespected. You just know that your world would be a better place if they weren't in it. Well, you know what? That may be true at some level, but it's not your job to be uh, a judge and jury. There's a greater judge. In any case, uh, as an extension of his own rage and angst, David went after him to kill him. Abigail hears of this, Nabal's wife, and she goes and brings provision and treats David very, very, very respectfully, with the net result then that David's anger is waylaid. This is extremely important. David then, when he realizes that Abigail saved him from shedding innocent blood, he says, and I quote, Baruch Adonai Elohei Yisrael, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, asher shilochek hayom hazeh likroti, who has sent you this day to meet me. 
David was smart enough to allow himself to be instructed. And I want you to hear me on this. As great a man as David was, he wasn't too great to get some advice from a woman. Would that we similarly were open to advice from all kinds of places and allowed ourselves to be led by others. It was a warm spring evening and the king couldn't sleep. With hindsight, the roof of my master's palace was far too accessible. She was beautiful to look upon. The king was taken by her and he sent me to find who she was. Her name was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. What happened in the shadows of that evening was just the beginning. There would later be deceit, bloodshed, and forever a dark stain stamped upon the life of King David. David, 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 how could you? You're a good enough sort, I grant. But in your 50s, sir, you surely lost your way. This was evidenced one evening, was it not? You should have been out with your armies. God anointed you to lead, to invest your energies in solving Israel's troubles, but no. Apparently you retired prematurely and then experienced some troubles of your own. It's sad to say, in the previous segment, we looked at how David was bested by anger after his mentor died. He is good to go to kill someone just for an insult. And here he's going to kill someone just to mask his own indiscretions. David, 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 how could you do it? Well, the fact that David could do it tells me that so could I, and if we're gut level honest, so could you. David didn't do anything that I never thought of. Now, I'm not trying to do confession here on national television. The point is I'm a man, I'm a shackled with a human nature. We have to keep this business under control. Our story takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 11, one evening when David let the cat out of the bag. In verse two, and it came to pass, in the evening, David meral mishkovo, and David arose from his bed, and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And he saw a woman bathing. Was David being a little voyeuristic up there? No doubt. Could Bathsheba been a little more careful down there? No doubt. Somewhere between the two, there was an accident. There was a spark that was ignited, and it set afire a household that tore up many a room and many people in them. We're told, V'choish tovat mare ma'od. And the woman he saw was very beautiful to look upon. David, David, David. He saw he took, when he found out later that his one night stand was in danger of uh, being exposed because Bathsheba was pregnant, he then hatches a scheme to try and mask his indiscretion. Uriah is such a good sorted fellow, 
a loyal soldier. He wouldn't sleep with Bathsheba because his men were in the field at the front. And so David sent him back to his front, carrying orders for his own execution. He told his general, take that guy Uriah, put him at the top of, uh, put him in the front of the battle and withdraw the troops and let him fall. And so it was, he did. And the rest is history. He's going to then marry Bathsheba. Oh, David, David, David. For the love of God, man, how can you do it? This is a dark side in an otherwise illustrious career. And we'll look in the third segment. We'll come back to this in a moment and see how uh, David reaped a harvest because of, the, uh, because of his discretion, because of his inability to rein it in. Now, let me encourage you with something. It could very well be a program like this that goes into millions of homes. I know that there are some of you that are, when I talk about sexual indiscretions within the home, somewhere that hits pay dirt. Now listen to me, I don't wanna make you feel guilty. What I want you to do is experience the forgiveness that David experienced. Even a good man like that got himself in a good bit of trouble. Here's what you need to do. It says in the scriptures that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. Let me encourage you to do that. Let me encourage you as well to not only be honest with God, but be honest with another. Visit your pastor, get on your knees, reach up to God. There's a great and glorious future for you. David learned that God's grace even covered this. Our offer on this program, Zola's Introduction to Hebrew a step-by-step -step approach that will enable you to read, speak, and translate the Hebrew text while doing Bible study. This 409-page book will nurture you along a friendly course towards a unique intimacy with God's language, land, and people. Learn the language of the kingdom and gain a better understanding of the Lord Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Call 1-800-WONDERS and ask for Zola's Introduction to Hebrew. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, there, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. One of the trademarks of our program are the beautifully filmed dramatic reenactments, the props, the sets, the costuming, there's a cost to that, but we want to do it first class for you. But there's a price to pay sometimes. It, to be sure, that's the truth. It's one thing to say something, it's another thing to show it. And thank you for showing your concern for us. Not really for us, but for this kind of story. Uh, you know, an offering plate goes around in a church and people care about what the ministry is doing. They invest in it. To be sure, they could be doing other things with their money, but they find value in it. And I want to say thank you 
for those of you that find value in what we're doing, and you let us know it by the way you show it. Speaking of our dramatic reenactment, we take you back to our story right now, followed by Dr. Seif's teaching. My announcement to King David came with no great surprise. We had known for some time that Absalom was winning the hearts of men through all of Israel. Now he was intent on usurping the throne of his father. The king acted quickly, for he knew that there would soon be bloodshed if we remained in Jerusalem. The king was escaping from a son who was vexed with power, from a son whom he feared and yet loved dearly. Jews construe that it's imperative for a father to teach a son a trade and to learn the religion as well. That is, the, the burden is on the father to inculcate certain things in the next generation. And in this regard, sad to say, David failed miserably. And why is that? Because David had too many sons. Twenty sons are noted in First and Second Samuel and one daughter. And beyond that, we're told that he had other wives and other children that aren't even noted by name. The man had too many women. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses warned, I believe, in Devarim and Deuteronomy that kings will tend to multiply women to themselves. What happens is, is David had a family that was too big to manage, and he wasn't given to managing his own family. And the net result is that he who could uh, forge a kingdom failed at home. And isn't that, by the way, a tragic story that is seen played out way too many times today? The men go off and they conquer in various ways, but the children are neglected. I mention this here because Tragic is the fact that David's sons turned on him. For me, you know, I'm a dad and I've raised sons. The Lord has seen fit to grace me with boys. Oh, for the love of God, it scares me to think how I'd feel if my boys turned on me. For me, I like to be respected personally. And if I feel I'm disrespected at work or wherever, it just... It bothers me. It's my Achilles heel. And if I feel like I'm being disrespected at home, that is particularly egregious. Uh, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, alighted upon that when he said, uh, wives, respect your husbands. And then he said, husbands, love your wives. The respect factor is significant. Well, the story in this little segment is played out against the backdrop of David not only being disrespected by his sons, but being forced to flee as one of those sons, and it's not just one. In various ways, on various days, different ones weighed in and looked to undermine David. Absalom was particularly egregious. It wasn't just that he was bent on revolt, but he mobilized others to knock the legs out of his father David and then to usurp his own father's authority and take the kingdom. And uh, we read in uh, First and Second Samuel about David's rise and demise. We discover that he's forced to flee. There's, there's a tragic text here. I can't read all of it. Second Samuel chapter 15, we're told, hamagid el David lemor, and a messenger came to David saying, Chaya Levish Yisrael Achrei Absalom, that the hearts 
of the men of Israel are inclined toward Absalom. Absalom, were he to have had his way, would have been David's undoing. Truth of the matter, and David knew the truth of the matter, and that is that Absalom really wasn't his problem. The problem was is that David sinned. The problem was is that David was reaping what he sowed. He wasn't faithful within the confines of his own marriage contracts. He let it all get, out, get away from him, and what happens is he's reaping the harvest. Now listen, there's much in the biblical literature to commend that's positive, but here's a story that's negative. You ever heard the expression that a wise man learns from his mistakes? Well, that's true, but listen to me. A wiser man learns from somebody else's. Better it is that we learn from David and not repeat it. And why do I say that? David couldn't take care of his sexual business. Too many women, too many kids, it all got away from him. He experienced God's grace to be sure and was forgiven, but still the consequences of all that played out. Now listen to me. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we all possess a human nature. Better it is, it seems to me, that we get on top of our business so we don't have to go this way, so we can have strength in the family. All said, I want you to know there is a grace that's available. God is so very good. David finished his days well, his difficulties notwithstanding, and you could finish well too. But learn a lesson from David, the warrior king. We sing the old hymn, Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. That song's for us but I think it relates to David's time also a little bit. I'm telling you, that is the truth. Uh, we certainly see grace in the Older Testament because, uh, you know, David was no altar boy at the end of the day. And I have to give some redeeming, redeeming factor or grace, interesting, mm. should I say, to David and Bathsheba, they gave birth to Solomon. I mean, the King Solomon who built the temple. Well, you're gracious to be so gracious to tell you the truth. I personally am unimpressed by David, uh, just the way he came about that relationship with that woman. And you know, it is true, it does show the grace of God. There was forgiveness and he's going to marry her and uh, they're going to have a child. And of course, this is going to make problems in the rest of David's family, too, because David's other sons weren't a happy camper. Mm -hmm. And if you look at 2 Samuel, it's a train wreck in that dysfunctional family. But he was a man after God's own heart. How, do you, how does that happen? You know, and that's the issue. You know, people are complex at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I, you can't judge, you know, an Old Testament character by a New Testament standard. Uh, someone like David couldn't pastor a congregation today with his, uh, with his life, to be sure. But he's a hero in yesterday's world. In terms of someone uh, uh, molesting a woman, killing her husband, that's just completely, uh, mm. I mean, that's off the charts. And you wonder how David, who was so good, could be so bad. Uh, he had a good heart. He owned the moment, repented of it. Uh, kudos to him for that. But, you know, the Bible lets us know that we're all sinners, even the best of them. David in the Old Testament, Peter in the New Testament wasn't always so hot. Grace, grace, God's grace. We'll be right back. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, Arise, walk through the land, for all the land which thou seest, 
to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Worship in the shadows of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Behold the land of the covenant. We go to Israel both in the spring and the fall. How about you come with us and we baptize you in the Jordan River in the Galilee area. It's just beautiful there. Oh, there's nothing like it. It's so beautiful. And speaking of the Galilee area, let's go to that region to hear from our friend now, Chaim Mailspin. We're standing here at sea level overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Now, of course, that's freshwater, our number one freshwater source in Israel. Well, now that we're very good at desalinization, we've been able to get water right from the, from the salty sea. However, this used to be the only water that we could drink around the whole of Israel. Now, the way this happened is there was a huge earthquake where the Syrian and African tectonic plates ground against each other, forming the Jordan Rift Valley. This mountain separated from this. We have here the Jordan Valley. Some people feel that this is what Ezekiel prophesied about when he said, I saw a valley. He saw the valley, that is, the valley, and they believe it's talking about this, that the dry bones came together, flesh came on them, and it says this is talking about the whole house of Israel being resurrected. Now, why would people say that could be this valley? Well, because this is where it all began. In modern Israel, it all began here because this is where the first ever farms were. They're called kibbutzes, the first ever buildings, the first ever army of Israel, the first ever factories of Israel, the first of anything started here, not in Jerusalem. It was all in the Galilee. And then if we go back to Yeshua's time, this is where it all began as far as our faith. Uh, the first disciples were chosen here. They, all of them were Galileans. Uh, Yeshua was a Galilean and I'm a Galilean and it's a pleasure to show you the Aliyah Return Center Restoration Station in the Galilee of the Nations. At a number of levels, this is a pretty tough program, looking at the dysfunction in David's family. There may be some listening that are on the hurting end of dysfunction, and uh, you can feel it in various ways, but there is a bomb in Gilead. There's healing, isn't there? There isn't. I just have to say, I don't know if you all know my story. I am adopted. I was adopted. I literally came from a one-night stand of two people that were not married. And good things can come from those kind of unions. Here's David and Bathsheba. Good can come from that. The wisest man on earth came from the two of those people. So you just never know who God's going to choose and what kind of situation he's going to use. You know, um... I'm stunned and I'm normally not s speechless, but I didn't know that about you. And I've never heard anybody say it. I don't want to say so matter of factly, but you're at peace. You've come to terms. You're not carrying around baggage from a negative beginning. I was an unwanted pregnancy and finding that out in the middle of my life, I found out at 41 that in spite of that, in spite of being unwanted, God knew that he had plans for my life. So God, whatever situation and whatever, how your relationship starts, God can use it. Yeah. He does that. This isn't scripted. <laughs> it's just from the heart. Speaking out from the heart, uh, Mr. Hart. <laughs> and may I say, I'm very thankful that you are still with us. Her birth mother went to Sweden to abort her. 
And God said, no, I'm going to keep this one. I have plans for her. We have so much more next week. Thank you for joining us today. We leave you with this. Wow, what a testimony. Well, we leave you with this. Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.